0: Hello and welcome to Talk Spooky to Me, the Ghost Story Guys Mail Show. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Paul Bestall. And this is our opportunity to hear from you, our listeners. Paul, my friend, I'd say how you doing, but it feels disingenuous because we just spent an hour and a half talking to each other doing the uh, patron live show. But I will, I'll ask anyways, because it is the format. How are you doing? I'm, I'm still okay. How are you? Still okay. I am Good. still living in, in the most interesting part of London, Ontario. And as I was saying to you, I was coming home uh, in my, my leased car that I just, I just finally managed to get the financing for. And there was a young lady having uh, a bad day, we'll say, and she was hammer tossing large traffic cones across the road. And I remember thinking to myself, oh God, oh God, not today. I just got this thing. And I escaped unscathed, but uh, that's not the most extreme thing that's happened in my neighborhood so far. And so I think if nothing else, I'm going to have lots of stories for the show.
1: (laughs) Well, we've all been there, that angry that you start throwing road cones about. I suppose I have. I've been angry plenty of times.
0: I guess I was just never near any road cones when it happened. I'm a little bit disappointed if if I do say so myself.
1: They're a very multifaceted tool for all kinds of shenanigans. You can use them as a blunt instrument. You can pretend it's a megaphone. You can cone off somewhere that's not supposed to be coned off. You can wear them as a hat. There's all kinds of things. You could throw it in a hedge, all kinds of things you can do with a road cone.
0: As I learned, you can actually put one in the woods and make it look like a red cap (laughs) sitting on a tree. So yeah, there really is no end to the fun you can have with road cones. Absolutely. We are not here to talk about road cones. Uh, I know, I I guess kind of we are. I mean, Talk Spooky is very much a free-for-all, but... uh, Before we spend the entire hour talking about road cones, because I'm sure we could, (laughs) we're going to check the mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you.
1: First up is from Emily. Hi guys, I've just started listening to the show a couple of weeks ago, and I'm listening through past episodes whilst waiting for new ones. There are so many things that you talk about where I think, oh man, I wish I could be part of that conversation. Careful what you wish for, Emily. I have a couple of travel stories that I'd like to share. Both of these stories occurred when I was travelling between Down East Maine, where I live, near my mum's family home, and St Augustine in Florida, where my dad lived for a few years. I was reminded of the first story during an episode where Brennan described a huge flock of crows in Vancouver. It was December 2017, and my mum and I were driving down to Florida for an extended Christmas visit. We were driving on an overpass at dusk going through Hartford, Connecticut. The overpass was surrounded by thousands of crows flying to their roosts for the night. They were all around us flying and sitting in trees that came up from below the overpass. We couldn't see the ground that the trees were coming up from and the trees that had no leaves due to the season. So the whole thing was a really cool tunnel of crows and the occasional treetops that looked like floating bushes full of crows. The second story is actually my return trip home after that Christmas visit in mid February twenty eighteen. I was reminded of it when you talked a bit about the Langliers, in your episode with Jim Harold, as it involved me taking a flight up to the airport in Bangor, where that story took place and was filmed. I made the flight on my own, as my mum stayed down south. When I arrived at Banger International that February, it was snowing heavily and was getting more intense by the minute. And I had to wait there for four hours to get the bus home. This airport's a small one, with one terminal and six gates upstairs and an open floor plan downstairs. I'd packed light, so it was easy for me to get my suitcase, grab some lunch and go downstairs to wait by the entrance. On the ground floor, you can easily see from one end to the other of the main area of the building. So I decided to listen to some music, with my headphones on of course, and watched the crowd go by while I waited for the bus. The crowd thinned out as the people from my flight left. got bigger again as another flight came in, and then thinned again as they also left. That was the last flight of the day, because of the blizzard. And I'm sure of this because at 1.40 I was totally by myself. There was not a single other person left in the main part of the airport. This is how I found out that all the lights in the airport are motion activated. The ones to the right of me by the ticket desks all turned off by themselves, and I've got a couple of photos with this time stamp. The lights turned back on again some time later as a security agent and his dog, a golden retriever, walked from a back room to that side of the building, out past the baggage claim in front of me by the far wall. They gave no indication of noticing me, and disappeared into another room on the left side of the building. The agent came past me again some time later. But with no dog this time. He asked me what I was doing, and I told him I was waiting for the bus and told him the name of the bus company. He was apparently satisfied with this answer and left again, and once again I was on my own and didn't see anybody again until the bus came some time after four o'clock. The blizzard stayed strong all through the 80 minute ride home, and if anything creepy would have happened, that would have been the perfect time for it to do so. I didn't realize until two years later that this was the Langlier's airport, and I'm glad that my Linimal airport experience stayed in real time and real space. Thanks for making a great podcast. I enjoy hearing all the stories you get and the banter between the both of you, and I'm looking forward to more. Thanks for sharing that, Emily. I I guess
0: it makes sense now why King came up with Langlier's there, if it's that empty.
1: Yes, I don't think I've ever been in an airport that empty. I've been in where you've got a a gaggle of, uh, of people, a handful, but not on my own.
0: Funny enough, today I, I had to bring back the rental car I've been using here in London uh, because obviously I finally managed to lock down my own. I took it back to London Airport and uh, I, there was one woman at the baggage check in place and there was weirdly three people working at the, uh, the car rental desk when I went up. But other than that, there was no one. There were no cars driving past, there was no one out front. It was, yeah, it, if there ever was a liminal space, it was, it was that. Although I will say, my first week in this apartment building, I was starting to wonder if I had died on the way over, and was just getting around to figuring it out because I did not see another human or hear another human being for the first week. It was very strange. Mm. Yeah, I just laying there in the dark thinking, what, and my air mattress because I I'd I ordered a mattress and it, it hadn't gotten here yet, so I was just sleeping on a Costco air mattress, and I remember thinking to myself, if I was dead, the air mattress wouldn't be this uncomfortable, right? Like if I was. <laughs> If I was having some kind of afterlife hallucination, I'd probably hallucinate it from a more comfortable place to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And um, on the subject of the crows thing, I I remember that, Emily. I remember that was the, uh, I actually didn't realize at the time that Vancouver is the site of uh, basically every day, there's a twice daily massive crow migration that happens. And I I didn't know this, but where I was staying, I think it was the Accent Inns by the uh, airport if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, it was, it was nuts. Just, I, I never got out of the, or I got out of the car once and I'm sure, you know, the, I don't think the birds were going to kick the shit out of me, but there is that, that kind of awe for nature you get when you're outnumbered like that. Even if you're surrounded by something, which is you know, more or less peaceful, they're you know, you're probably not going to have any issue with you. You just feel outnumbered. And I think that's not a feeling we, we get much anymore in the natural world because we're so, you know, we kind of exist in our human space and, and we don't, you know, we tend to interact with nature maybe on like a one-by-one basis, you know. You're not surrounded by a whole shitload of these things.
2: Mm,
1: yeah. Do you guys call them a murder over there for a group?
0: Yes. That's okay, good. Well, you know, I feel like if you've got a name as cool as a murder, you don't want to mess with that.
1: Is it a bastard of rooks? Parliament of ravens?
0: It cannot possibly be a parliament of ravens. Okay, it is a parliament of ravens. Paul is not just messing with me this time. <laughs> This time. <laughs> all right. So next up, we have a message from Donna. And Donna says, just listened to the latest Host Adventures. And of course, if you're a patron, you'll know that Host Adventures is a, uh, usually a weekly show where I kind of just ramble on as in a format that I stole from Kevin. We need to talk about ghosts. So, uh, yes, Donna was listening to the most recent Host Adventures and heard me talking about the town of St. Thomas. And I'll, I'll explain all this after I read the rest of it. If you haven't already, you should check out the railway museum and the old central train station there. It's got some spooky energy, the ghost of affordable rail travel, if nothing else. (laughs) St. Thomas used to be a huge railway hub, and after we decided we wanted cars, it is now literally impossible to get there unless you drive. My best friend from high school lives there, and I was in London for 13 years before I was able to go see her, because neither of us has a car. And yes, east of Adelaide is definitely rough. Surprised slash sorry that no one, including me, warned you. But if you're careful and you listen to your instincts, I'm sure you'll be okay. And let me know if you ever come to Toronto. I'd love to treat you to a coffee slash beer. And Donna, that's a deal. I've emailed Donna separately, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Next time I get into Toronto, probably I'm hoping at some point in the next month or so, but uh, still in the process of getting settled. One of the things that attracted me to London is that you're just, you're connected to a lot of different little towns. And that's all very new to me. Because obviously in Revelstoke, You can't go anywhere. You know, the road, you know, north and south, dead end and water, east and west, you're looking at minimum 45 minutes before you get anything approaching civilization. Uh, Going out east, it's an hour and a half. And then, of course, you're on the island, you're on the island, you're not going anywhere. So for me, the novelty of just being able to hop in my car and go to a different town is is really quite something. Uh, Actually, tomorrow I'm going to the town of Stratford to what is, I think, the world's smallest cinema. It's a, a 12-seat micro-cinema to go see Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. <laughs> 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 and I ended up a couple times in the town of St. Thomas, which is uh, always south of me. And I found out later that the courthouse in St. Thomas is apparently very haunted. And so I'm, I'm hoping to go take a look at that sometime in the day, maybe get inside and Talk to some people. But it, it's been interesting to note which towns have Mojo. And uh, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to digging into that. So thank you, Donna. And, and yeah, that goes for anyone else. If you are in London uh, or nearby, you want to get together. I know I've had a few listeners reach out. I'm possibly seeing someone next week and uh, some, a couple other folks in the couple weeks to come. Yeah, get in touch. You can find me on Instagram, you know, largely the truth. You can email me here, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. If I can meet up, I absolutely will. And uh, yeah, yeah, feel free to, to get in touch if you're in Toronto. Again, I'm hoping to get there. Um, probably won't be there for long, depending on, on cost and things like that. But I am much closer to the world now. So looking forward to meeting y'all. Damn it, I did it again. Brandon's still in my head.
1: <laughs> I have to have a word about that.
0: <laughs> Funny enough, I, I just recorded a voice audition for something. <laughs> And, uh, I, ha- I really, it was an American thing. And I had mentioned, you know, he was talking about having me possibly do some voices on his show and he went, oh man, but you're really, can- you're so, you sound so damn Canadian. But <laughs> when I was recording this voice audition, I very much was very aware of trying not to, you know, uh, out and, and trying to, trying to sound intentionally a little more American. How well I succeeded, we'll see. But, uh, you know, it was, it was now in my head.
1: Yeah, you just need to think about that psychic channeling Harry Houdini.
0: <laughs> I don't know about that exactly. Maybe you want to explain to our listeners there what, what we're referring to, because that, uh, that, that was a great bit from the end of our live show.
1: <laughs> so there was a, 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 a gentleman who lives in Australia who was uh, doing the rounds a few years ago, claiming that he'd been able to, to utilize a psychic to channel various dead celebrities one of whom was was houdini he claimed to have a, a recording of this particular person claiming to uh, talk about it and uh, it was quite possibly one of the most laughably bad impressions i've ever heard it was literally somebody going hey my name's harry houdini i'm from brooklyn hey, i was a magician it was dreadful um and I can't remember the chap's name. It will come to me. Give me a sec. Hang on.
0: It's, it sounds like Job from Arrested Development doing his Franklin <laughs> voice.
1: <laughs> Victor Zamit was, uh, was the chap. Uh, he was a retired lawyer based in Sydney, Australia.
0: Folks, check out the latest episode of Mysteries and Monsters. Uh, actually, I guess it might not be the most recent episode when this comes out, but it's one with Dr. Kate Sherrill, and it's uh, it's a really really great interview. You you will learn a lot about uh, charlatan psychics. It, It is both fascinating and dispiriting. No pun intended.
1: Terry writes next. Hi Brennan and Paul. This isn't a ghost story. It's a weird dream experience, but I thought I would share it. In the 1980s, my mom lost her battle with depression and took her own life. She was only 46 years old. After she died, She came to me in dreams a few times. Each time it felt very real and comforting. When this happened it was very brief but somehow I knew I was really connecting with her and I think she wanted me to know that she was doing okay on the other side. This hasn't happened for a few years but a couple of nights ago I had a strange dream involving my mum. This one was different from the others and sort of eerie. In the dream I'm in my house and I notice the front door is open slightly. This is highly unusual, since I always double-lock the door. As I move towards the door to close it, it swings open, and my mum walks in. I was surprised to see her. She looked beautiful, but as I looked closer, something wasn't quite right. She was too perfect. Her face almost looked like a cartoon or an internet meme. Not only that, but the detail of her was extremely vivid, with sharp edges and colours. Then she spoke to me and said that I needed to help a friend of hers. She tried to move me towards the door. Something felt very wrong and creepy about this, and I knew this really wasn't my mum. At this point I woke up with a start. I felt like something was trying to hijack my dream, using my mum's image as a bait. I know our subconscious is highly creative and can come up with all kinds of things in a dream state, but this was different. And I'm wondering what you think about this. Well, thanks for writing, Terry. It's always hard to say
0: with dreams, right? I mean, what you're describing, I have experienced, uh, and, and I've talked about it on the show previously. Where I had a dream where I was speaking to my deceased paternal grandmother, and we were having a nice conversation, and then all of a sudden, it was like some, like her eyes, something inside her eyes was like pulled to the side, like if you, if you can imagine. Uh, like, like the eyes were a texture in a computer game and then something like pulled that texture away and the eyes were then yellow and it it was like, Mm. it wasn't her anymore. And this very deep upsetting voice said, this isn't allowed. And it was like we had been having it because I was aware she was dead, but it was like something came and stopped us from having that conversation. Mm. And of course, it's entirely possible. It's just my subconscious trying to correct what it knows to be inaccurate. But uh, at the same time, I I do wonder, you know, because I I had another dream where I I was kind of hanging out with my granddad and I'm not going to get into the, the weeds of it, but basically we were hanging out and there was something I kept pursuing that it was like I knew if I pursued it, it would upset the dream because it would, I would then be forced to confront that what was happening was not real. Mm. But I was very aware of that. I knew that because it, like it, it wasn't a visitation, it, it was just a, it was a nice dream. And, I, you know, if I had to take a, a metaphor from it, it's that, you know, hey, Bren, stop picking at the threads and just fucking enjoy yourself looking at the carpet, you idiot. <laughs> but um, this other trip with my grandmother, that felt different. It felt like there was something, like there was a transgression, there was something unnatural happening and it kind of sounds similar to what you experienced terry so it and, and also there was another one we had a listener i think who also had a strange dream was it the one from ireland that rings a bell yeah and it was it was similar it was again something a dream but it wasn't it was it was meant to lure them into a sense of security mm they began to be aware that there was something very wrong. It was almost like something was intentionally trying to keep them in that space.
1: Mm. What are your thoughts, Mm. Paul? Dreams are are one of my weak spots. I have no real knowledge or or anything of value to add. No,
0: that's fair. (laughs) Hey, man, if I was dreaming about (laughs) Bigfoot hunting with bruise of bulk, I wouldn't have time for anything else either. (laughs) Three and a half years on. (laughs) <laughs> yep it's and it's still uh, it's it's still the best dream i've ever heard of and that includes the ones where i get to talk to my dead family members perhaps that is what
1: presaged this this latest bigfoot evidence <laughs> <laughs> yeah two hundred dollar costume
0: <laughs> yeah this this is uh folks this is a video going around doing the rounds right now it's the latest quote of the existence of bigfoot and it is in fact just a a hefty man in a halloween adventure costume.
1: Yes, there is a cynical reason behind it. I believe the people who allegedly filmed their mate in a costume run a local business and I think they were just desperately trying to get some attention. Um, But it's one of those things, you know. Um, I've seen Matt Moneymaker ranting about the New York Times, misquoting him and several other people earlier today in an article, so who knows?
0: Well, all we know is... $2 and a a visit to Halloween Adventure are all that stand between you and stardom. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So next up is from our longtime listener, Brooks. Brooks says, hello, Brennan and Paul. I write you this as I'm laying down on my living room couch in the dark with the light of some LED strips and the microwave surface light in the kitchen. Not enough light to do much besides see around the kitchen. The couch faced up the stairway to the bedrooms and bathrooms upstairs. As I wait for my screaming Sicilian pizza to cool, best frozen pizza on the market, highly recommend it. I am going to check that out, Brooks. Oh, I will say I found a pizza place. Uh, It's a local chain here. I won't say the name because, you know, they can pay me for that. But uh, (laughs) right now they're doing uh, $4 personal pan pizzas. So for an eight-inch personal pizza with two toppings, it is four bucks. It is possibly the greatest thing I have ever discovered. Getting back to Brooks. Got me talking about pizza, Brooks. So Brooks says, I am scrolling on my phone as I talk to my girlfriend on the phone, and I have noticed the shape of a human move on the stairs, stop, and look at me. It's a big shadow, so I can eliminate my roommate Caleb because he is shorter than me. So (laughs) thinking Dawson is trying to scare me by playing on the stairs and looking at me through pitch blackness. I turn on my phone flashlight to find no one on the stairs. I turn my flashlight off. A couple of minutes later, the shadow and movement came back. I turn my flashlight on, and no one, just a big human-like shadow that only moves in the darkness and stares. But once the lights are on, it's gone. So my solution is to keep my flashlight on and stop playing this game with the shadow entity that's playing on the stairs, as it keeps its eyes locked on me as I wait to shove this pizza and burn my mouth on it. And it hey, Brooks... <laughs> I respect this. I respect a man who's like, you know what? A shadow entity is screwing with me right now, but that pizza is almost done and I will not be denied.
1: Maybe it was the pizza that brought it out.
0: I mean, if it is as good as you say, Brooks, that is entirely possible. I tell you, if a ghost tries to take one of those $4 personal pan pizzas from me, I will fight it.
1: Yes. I'm one of those weird people that is quite ambivalent with pizza.
0: This must be an English thing because Nick doesn't really care about pizza either.
1: I don't say, I, I don't enjoy them, but I very rarely, I think I've had one this year.
0: Yeah, that's, that's how she is. She likes New York style pizza, the, the, the really f- like big flat uh, pieces. But mm. uh, even that she just, you know, it's not like a, yeah, once a month is fine if that. Whereas, you know, if I could, if I could have a superpower, I would swap the power of flight for a metabolism that can digest as much pizza as I want without killing me. And then I would exclusively <laughs> eat that. Now that I'm living, you know, like a 10-minute drive from Costco and they have lots of parking, I literally had Costco pizza two days running because it is like $3 a slice, and my God, is it good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hillary comes at us next and says, Brennan, my family loves Dr. Mario. My parents literally play for about an hour every night on their MacGyvered-up Nintendo 64. or maybe it's a Super Nintendo. My sister is a Dr Mario master. She used to set up her last play in two player mode, playing several levels above her opponent, then go stand on her head in a corner while her last multi-step play took down her opponent while she laughed hysterically. Even now my parents play all the time and my sister only plays when she visits them. She still plays a little higher than they do, increasing the deficit as the visit continues and then she gets her groove back. The version has four-player mode, and we all laugh so hard while we're playing. They're great memories. Thanks for the mention. It made my night.
0: Oh, that's great, Hillary. Thank you so much. It may be that your sister is the person who crushed me in that uh, video game tournament many moons ago. And if so, of course, we have a blood feud going.
1: (laughs) Yes, like the girl who beat me at Tekken at Crusher in 1997.
0: I can only assume that you still regularly cut your palm and swear blood vengeance to the moon.
1: No, I was, I was beaten by the, the uh, better opponent. I took it rather better than some of my friends did. See, I, I, it doesn't
0: matter if they're better than me. And they beat me, I, I, must, I must carry this resentment until the end of my <laughs> days. I don't know what it is. Man, woman, child, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who beats me. If I, this is why I can't compete, Paul, because I'm a very <laughs> sore loser. Like I, I'll never be shitty to the person who beat me to their face, but I will condemn <laughs> their family for several generations.
1: No, I don't, I don't care anymore. I'm not good enough anymore. I used to be really good. <laughs> okay, I'm that's not, fair. I'm not, I'm not good enough to be precious. I don't play enough. I've only just, I think, playing Resident Evil 4 recently it took me back and made me realize just how little I play these days when I used to, you know, days when I used to stay up till five in the morning with six friends playing FIFA till the small hours of the morning Um, are are long gone. Yeah, I feel like
0: th- those are the liberties of, of a younger man's life, though, because... I mean, even now you're doing this full time. I still can't stay up till 4am playing video games. I just, I just can't. I mean, I, I actually, I impulse bought a PS5, uh, when I first got to London and, um, <laughs> it, yeah, real important stuff, real, real cautious with my money. But, um, I signed up for, uh, what do you call it? Uh, play pass or whatever the, the cloud gaming thing, the PlayStation mm-hmm. does. And I've been playing Miles Morales. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's a ton of fun. It's just like, it, obviously, the, the first Spider-Man was extraordinary. This is just as good, if not better, because it introduces mm. some other elements. But as much as I love it, it's still just hard to find time to sit down and, and play for an hour or two. You know, I, I, mm. I would love to play more, but I just cannot make myself carve out that time.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is, it is amazing just how... Quickly, time does pass. I think the first time I, I fired it up the other week for the, for the first time in ages, With, within the blink of an eye, I'd lost three hours. <laughs> oh, I, re- I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, when you fired up RE four. Yeah, I was, I was off. I was away. I was, I was lost
0: in the, the wilds of Spain. Oh, nice. It is, when you can hit that zone where time just melts away, it is, it is a nice place to be because I feel like that's, that's kind of when your worries go away. Yeah. And you're just in the moment. Wh- wh- whatever it is yeah. that is kind of your zen, I feel like that's, that's the sweet spot. Yeah, definitely. All right. So this next one is from Eileen. Eileen says, I wanted to write and say thank you. I'd not normally write to a show, but your new episodes of Talk Spooky to Me inspired me and how much you guys generally cared about your listeners. It's really lovely. I had a big life change in May this year. I quit my job to focus on homemaking and health, and it was jarring and a little lonely once the kids were off to school. A friend suggested I start listening to podcasts, but I didn't like the suggestions from Apple Podcasts and didn't think podcasts were for me. But I gave it another go and typed in ghost stories and found you guys. What a find. I quickly became an Apple Podcast subscriber and loved listening to your shows. You guys are both calming and very funny. I was also surprised when Brennan started talking about Victoria, as I just assumed the show would be based somewhere else. I used to live in James Bay and am currently in Cordova Bay. I also have ties to the UK, Paul. I have family in London and studied in both Brighton and York. As someone who suffers from a mental illness called PMDD, I am also grateful for your incredible support and openness when talking about mental health issues. Thank you again for such a great show, for how much you care about your listeners, and the joy you bring to each episode. Cheers, Eileen.
1: Oh, lovely. Thank you.
0: Yeah, that was, that's really nice, Eileen. Thank you so, so much. And it it is nice when I find out that, you know, there are people in Victoria listening to the show. That is, yeah. (laughs) Even though I'm not there right now, Nick is still there. And yeah, it's just nice. Uh, And I I mean, I love Cordova Bay is a very nice neighborhood. Uh, Nicer than James Bay. You made the right choice in getting out of there, Eileen. (laughs) Woof. And of course, if you want to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe to GSD Premium, and that gets you access to all of our back catalog of bonus content. There are episodes. There's dozens of episodes of uh, Host Adventures, Book of the Dead. Sunken Library, there's the uh, bonus conversations between me and Paul, which run anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes, and those are come with almost every new major episode. So either at patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys, or as more people are increasingly doing, head over to GST Premium via Apple Podcasts.
1: Our next correspondence is from Catherine. First, let me say that hearing you read my email on the show brought a much-needed bright spot to a horrible week. My beloved cousin, who's like a sister to me, passed away after a year-long battle with cancer, and it's been an awful year for the family, and having a moment of lightness was priceless. Second, I want to let you know that I'm finally going to do some actual research into the potential connection between the Chronicles of Narnia and old Irish epics. I want to track down that info Paul mentioned about Lewis not remembering which book he wrote first, and any other statements he may have made regarding the creation of the Chronicles. I know there's got to be a connection, whether Lewis intended it or not, given the other parallels I mentioned between the epics and the Chronicles. Now, Paul has given me the motivation to actually do the research. Thanks again, and please know how much I've appreciated all the work you've done over the years to keep the show running. All the best, Catherine. Oh, thank
0: you very much, Catherine. I'm so sorry about your cousin. That's. Awful. I hope that over time that grief becomes less because uh, I know that's, yeah, that's not an easy thing to cope with.
1: Unfortunately, it's something that touches many of us, Catherine. So uh, my condolences to you and your family and uh, just keep taking each day as it comes.
0: I will say though, it's an honor to know that something we've talked about on the show has encouraged you to examine a topic deeper and learn more about it because that honestly man that more than anything that's what i what makes me happy about doing the show is when someone tells us that they we have inspired them to do something whether it's write a story or paint a picture or reach out to a friend they haven't spoken to in a long time or or learn more about a subject that real or start their own podcast you know or whatever it is like to know that we've inspired someone to do something else is one of the things that keeps me going because, you know, I'm being someone who has fans like that. Yeah, that's fine. You know, I, but that's not why I got into this. You know, I, I got into this to learn about the world and to connect with people and to maybe help people. I don't know, feel like they can do more in the world. Cause I spent a long time thinking that I couldn't do jack shit in this world. And so knowing that we can have that effect on someone is, is just, a, I don't know. It, it, to me, that's, that's a huge, that's a, that's a huge thing. All right, so there's two more things we're going to share before we wind up here. One was a post from our Facebook group, uh, which, of course, you can join if you're on Facebook. We're called The Ghost Story Guys Finally Made A Group, and you'll have to uh, apply to get in, but that's just to help us weed out bots. There's no requirement. There's no cost. There's none of that bullshit. Just, yeah, just apply. We'll let you in as soon as, soon as we can. Um, yeah, it depends on what mood I'm in. Well, yeah, okay, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it depends on what mood Paul... Myself and the group administrator, Tanya, are in, you know, (laughs) in that order.
1: I see you're on the Ghost Adventures group, you know in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Rod posted yesterday, he posted a picture of Okie Dog from Los Angeles. And he said, this really happened. On a typical weekend in 2005, I visited Okie Dog to eat one of their signature burritos and then went to Hollywood Forever Cemetery where I saw something that might have been a ghost. Did eating that burrito directly cause a ghost sighting to occur? There's no way to tell. And I I tell you, Rod, if there was any connection between eating burritos and seeing ghosts, I would have seen a murderer's row of dead (laughs) people by now. (laughs) But I asked him, I said, what did you see? And and Rod said he saw a shadowy shape, a small blob that was floating above the tombstones. I watched it for maybe a minute and a half as it floated farther away. And it really reminded me of the blob stories you and I've been kind of running into lately on the show, Paul.
1: Yeah, yeah, it did. I saw his post. So, um, yeah, there seems to be a few of these sort of um, strange masses that don't seem to have real shape. They just seem to be some kind of blob lolling around. Yeah, the world gets ever stranger. Nothing surprises me anymore. Challenge accepted. (laughs) Hey, after what's gone down in Australia this week, like I say, nothing surprises me anymore. (laughs) What's gone? Oh, oh, right, that was
0: the article that... uh... Oh, who is it? Someone sent us that article. I can't remember who it was. Uh, wh- why don't you tell the good folks about, about the article before, uh, before we do our last bit here?
1: Yes. So uh, uh, a man in Australia has shared some footage of him having to rescue his dog from a uh, grip of a kangaroo in a river um, that he perceived it to be trying to drown it. Now, I've, I've heard this quite a few times from, from people I know in Australia that uh, roos have a tendency to be quite territorial. And it ended up that this guy was a martial artist and he basically had to uh, pull out some moves to uh, defend his dog and uh, smacked the roo in the face. And the roo responded with, a, uh, with another slap to him and they had a bit of a tete-a-tete and then he rescued his dog and uh, all was well. I cannot
0: imagine how hard you have to be to go toe-to-toe with a kangaroo, those things, they all, they all look like they're on trend. They all look like they're on steroids. They look like the guys that the Instagram algorithm keeps showing me to make me feel bad about myself.
1: Yeah. Well, once you saw Roger crush that metal bucket, all bets were off. Roger? Metal bucket? Ro- Roger's a ve- Roger was a famous kangaroo who was basically built like a bodybuilder. Oh, okay. And to show how strong he was, they would give him a metal bucket and he would crush it in his front paws. That is terrifying. Yeah, he was. I think was he about six five, six six. Jesus he was, Christ! As we, He's Vladimir Klitschko. As we say here, yeah, he, he was built like a brick shit house, as we say here in the UK.
0: So he was Vladimir Klitschko. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's, it, there's a there's a theme of this. There's a lot. Of, there's some other footage, famously a few years ago, from a guy whose dog was was caught by a roo, and a man had to run into the bush and just went, get off him. <laughs> and chinned him and it just like stood there like going hey eh? what's that what's, what's happened there some blokes just punched me in the nose it's
0: like sucker punching a bouncer you got one shot make it a good one
1: <laughs> yeah yeah. But I remember when I spoke to Yowie Dan and we were talking about it and he was saying he was at a fair as a kid once and a, and a rule just came through and absolutely leveled this kid, gave him a right shoe in, and they had to jump in and, and get the rule off him and all sorts. Oh, man. And he was scratched to buggery, all battered and bruised. So, you know.
0: I will say that, you know, in Canada, we have bears, we have cougars, and, you know, they each come with their own issues. But none of them turn up to county fairs like they're the gang from Clockwork Orange and start beating the Christ out of people. I mean, th- that's, that's next level. I mean, that's, that's Australia, I guess.
1: Well, it's one of those ones. I've seen a, a story that's broken earlier on of a, an enormous bear that somebody's photographed allegedly in Montana trying to get into an electricity barn. And it, it, at first I thought they were, they were fake photos. It, it didn't look real until you look at it. And it's just this enormous bear. They reckon it weighs about 800 pounds.
0: Oh, Christ. It's enormous. Well, I mean, if he's breaking into an electrical shed, it's going to be past tense real soon. Yeah. He got bored and had a nap in front of it instead and then wandered <laughs> off. We've all been there, Mr. Bear. We've all been there. This is too much work. I'm having a snooze. <laughs> <Yeah>. Also called <laughs> Bren trying to write a novel. <laughs> all right. So, our last message is actually an audio message that came in via Instagram. And I know I've been saying, don't send me things on Instagram because it's hard for me to see them. But fuck it. If you want to send something on Instagram, send away. Uh, we're on there as the Ghost Story Guys. It, it might just take me a while to find it because we 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 have seen a real explosion in the popularity of the Instagram in the last couple of months. I think we're at about ninety four thousand followers, something like that. So it's yeah, it 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 can be hard to keep track of DMs, but still, if you want to send us a story as a voice note or a, a video story, as this listener did, although we will only be sharing the audio from it, go feel free. We would love to hear it. We'd love to read it. Again, it may just take us a little while to find it, but. Uh, feel free go for it and this message comes from katie
2: i went to my best friend's family's mountain house and she was like i have to show you this this place like it's pure magic and um it's this area in the forest near her house and i already know how you feel about the woods but i love the woods i love to be in the forest but she took me to this area so you like walk down the hill you come around the corner, you start walking through the woods and then all of a sudden there's a clearing. A clearing, a clearing in the forest. In a complete circle, my guy. And she just walked right into the middle of it. Into the middle. So, when you walk there, like you can see like animal tracks, you can see this and that. Well, there's like mushrooms. Doo 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 doo, 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 doo going all the way down. It is like an actual field. An area of lush green grass surrounded by a circle of trees. Like, I'm getting chills just freaking talking about it. And she walked right into the middle of it. And I was like, Hey, Val, do you see any animal tracks going into the middle of that? Do you see something walking through that? No, there's no animal tracks. She was like, Oh, I guess you're right. I would not walk into the middle of that. I was like, You're insane. And the whole time I'm sitting there, with like chills, feeling like I'm being watched. One, two, it felt sacred. It felt sacred. It felt like I should not walk in the middle of that. I walked around it. I followed the path that the animals walk through. But she was like, it's like a sanctuary. It's so lovely. It's so perfect. I've done yoga out here in the middle of it. Not me, not this gal. You have lost your mind. But I guess if you're not connected, like, you know, to that type of thing, you just don't feel it. But I was like, gal, (laughs) no, but I will say that I did frolic like a little forest nymph that whole weekend. It was lovely.
0: So Katie, (laughs) that was, that was great. Thank you for sending that in. (laughs) I, I respect both your, your ability to, to appreciate that something is not right here, but also to continue frolicking. There, there is something to be said for a, a solid frolicking in the face of danger.
1: Well, sometimes that's all you can do. That's it. That's it. There's,
0: there's that old line. Uh, you are, you're hanging from a cliff above you is a tiger. Below you is a, is a fatal drop, and you are hanging there by virtue only of a bushel of strawberries in your right hand. What do you do? And the answer is eat the strawberries. So. Uh, that's, 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 my deep, that's my deep thought for today.
1: Why not give the tiger the strawberries?
0: All right, all right, come on. Uh, do tigers
1: eat strawberries? Probably eat anything. To me, <laughs> yeah. Eat what they want, apart from a bear. <laughs> that's fair. I, yeah, okay, well, anyways. You ever seen that footage of that tiger riding in that field in India? No. And it just leaps, literally leaps straight up onto the guy on, on the back of an elephant looking for it. <laughs> like 12 foot Pew. that's amazing boom hello looking for me Rah! have some of that
0: imagine how, just the sinking feeling in your gut as you see the tiger defy the laws of gravity in order to come fuck your shit up mm. yeah
1: he was he was he, he
0: survived no not inside the, the <laughs> light was out
1: <laughs> he never left his house again <laughs> I sure shit wouldn't even on an elephant, no chance. Nope, especially on an elephant. Too many bad memories. He's the kind of guy that can get on the back of a giraffe just as it's about to start having one of their mating fights, which are terrifying to watch. Is that like when they sword fight with their heads and their necks? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just crazy. Only got seven bones in their necks, same as us.
0: Interesting. That's a, that's a weird neck-to-bone ratio. Mm. I'm trying really hard not to make any mating or bone jokes after my Good. shameful showing on uh, 173 with Brandon where I'm quite sure he
1: will never return (laughs) well not if you keep dressing up like Bigfoot then stop talking about (laughs) things like that it won't no
0: oh man when I came out with that skull mask (laughs) uh, you guys I don't think you guys will get to see that I don't I don't think that's on the video but he was he was having a hard time he was because he kept laughing anyways and I I, for reasons I'm not going to get into right now I have this death's costume here and so I just popped into frame wearing that thing and completely fucked his day up. Anyway, yeah, these are the things that uh, we we're professional. These are, these are what professional podcasters get up to. It's a glimpse behind the curtain. Yeah, one they no doubt wish they had never taken. <laughs>
1: I've looked behind worse curtains. So. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair.
0: And uh, yeah, Katie, again, thanks for sending that in. I love that, that, again, your friend has just really been happily doing yoga in like the, the good folks' summer home and just had absolutely no idea. It feels sacred. Not to you, man. Not to you. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for this round of listener mail. Thanks to everyone who wrote in. Again, I'm sorry we couldn't get to everyone, but we love, love, love getting your messages, your stories, your comments. Please keep sending those in. Again, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Come join our Facebook group, Ghost Story Guys Finally Made a Group on Facebook. And we're of course on Instagram as the Ghost Story Guys. Uh, and again, if you want to send us a message or send us a, a comment or question via DM, go for it. Again, we'll try and get it into the show. I will try and find it. Um, yeah, it, it, the nice thing about that is it just allows for us, like slightly more ease of access. You know, if they want to send a voice message, it's a little easier to do that way. Which, which I understand, and, and that's fair.
1: Absolutely, especially if they're as entertaining and as funny as that one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 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 All right, so before we get to our musical guest, uh, we should run through the credits. The Ghost Story guys are Luke Greensmith, who helps find our stories, Sarah Kent, who manages our Reddit, Joseph Camo, who helps us manage our YouTube account, Adam Lynch, who edits our videos, Tonya Downing, who helps edit our audio. The conductor of our Paranormal Express journey is Mr. Brennan Stoll. And of course, my co-host is the one, the only, the inimitable, Paul Bestel, host of Mysteries and Monsters.
1: Paul, where can everyone find you online? Mysteries and Monsters is across all social media networks and across all podcasting platforms.
0: Brilliant. I'm on Instagram, Threads, and Blue Sky as Largely the Truth. And you can find my other podcast, Weird Together, everywhere fine podcasts live. Our next episode will be out the day after this releases for the public. And that is about the film Dark Harvest, which is a flawed, but I think still essential Halloween film. So again, you'll find weird together everywhere. Find Podcast Live. And as I mentioned, we do have a musical guest on this show. And if you are a musical artist and you want to have your music featured here, shoot us an email, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. All you got to do is send us your track. We will do our best to get you in the show. This time around, we are featuring a track from a friend of the show from uh, well, a few years back now. In 2020, of course, was our very first Christmas audio drama, which featured music by Chris Marie of the band Genki Genki Panic. And I believe it was actually a listener who put me on to Chris and GGP in the first place. They have been quiet for a while now, but then uh, just recently they released not one, but two tracks, which are, um, interpretations of classic, very like real classic horror themes one is White Zombie, and of course, that's the 1932, I believe it's a Boris Karloff film, is it not? Bela Lugosi. Bela Lugosi. Thank you very much. I knew Paul would know. And the other, which is the one we will be sharing, is, well, this is not quite as classic as, as uh, White Zombie. It is the theme to Dawn of the Living Dead, originally by Goblin, covered here by Genki Genki Panic. You can find more from them at genki, Bandcamp.com. Also, follow a link in the show notes. And you will get to their Bandcamp page. You'll also find them streaming on all your music platforms. So, we will be back next week with a main show. And until then, we will leave you with Genki Genki Panic and their cover of The Dawn of the Living Dead.